0: Uh, which is Isaiah chapter 12, and if you want to turn your Bibles to page (coughs) 576. Now we're going to be reading from uh, page 576 in our Bibles, uh, which is Isaiah chapter 12. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord. Although you were angry with me, your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. And we're going to be looking at that chapter from Isaiah chapter 12. Um, So if you can have that still open in front of you, that would be wonderful. I was uh, sitting in um, the cafe just down on Becum Street. This is not a weekly occurrence, but it's nearly a weekly occurrence that we go and uh, we have lunch in the cafe. Me and Tom and anyone else who's around on a Monday. uh, That's what we do. Um, And we're sitting there, we're listening to, what do you expect? Christmas songs. We're listening to different Christmas songs. And um, the thought came to my mind, uh, what is being sung about at Christmas? What kind of things are being sung about? Um, If you're, we have the slide. um, If you're Mariah Carey, Carey, um, then you're singing about someone, aren't you? Singing about a person that you want to spend... Christmas with. That's one of the things that people are singing about at Christmas time. And there's, if you're a lad baby, and you're singing about sausage rolls. And to be honest, the sausage rolls are pretty good, so uh, maybe that's what what will keep you singing that. Maybe that's what's worth singing about at Christmas time. But my question to you is, what will have you singing this Christmas? And not only at Christmas, because Christmas is a joyful time, isn't it? We get to spend time in our family, we get lots of great food. Who wouldn't sing at Christmas? But what will get you singing on the worst days of your life? That's the kind of question we're thinking about when we look at Isaiah chapter 12. The reason is because it's a song, and it's a song that Isaiah the prophet predicted that people would be able to sing, that all people who have come to find out that God is their salvation, people who have discovered that God is their salvation, will sing this song. And it's quite a short chapter, I thought we'd have a look at it together, and it'll take, give us something to take home uh, for, for what might be the answer to, to that question for us. What will keep me singing at Christmas? Uh, so we're going to be looking at the original Christmas number one. This is a song that Isaiah predicts will be number one for those who have found that God is their salvation. But it's a really odd time for Isaiah to be predicting this. Uh, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at how Isaiah was at a time when things were going really badly for God's people, and he predicted that God's judgment was coming on the people in the form of a, an enemy invasion. The Assyrian army was going to wipe them out. Um, it, was, it was not a nice time to be around. And it's an odd time then for Isaiah to be predicting that they could sin. It's not time for him to be saying, With joy. You will do this. You will praise God. You'll have a song in your heart. It's an odd time for him to be saved. The um, superpower that they turned to um, in those days for protection, because they thought that they could buy their own protection, um, was Assyria. And yet after coming to deal with the people that they were scared of, that superpower would come after them too. And what this has kind of been teaching us is that anything that we turn to for God, uh, other than to God for our security in life and in the life to come it will come crashing down it may hold us up for a few years it may be what we need now but in eternity it's going to come crashing down because it's not God it cannot do for us what we think it can if it's money if it's fame if it's that aspiration that relationship if it's not God if we turn to it for security in this life and the next it won't last and so on this day, for the people, in Isaiah's day, he says, you can sing. But how can that be? Because they are looking at the prospect, facing down the, down the nose of the worst of days coming at them. Uh, my father-in-law, um, he's not here, so I can talk about him. Um, <laughs> I will be seeing him this coming week, actually, in Liverpool, so I probably ought to be careful about what I say. Um, he's not a fan of schools. And I I get what he means, because people don't just burst into song for no reason, do they? And in a musical, it's like, I'm I'm brushing my teeth. Or I'm putting out the bins, and people are singing about it. Um, Well, I kind of enjoy musicals, but I kind of see it's point. In normal life, people only sing when they've got something amazing that's happened to them. And those kind of things, the everyday things, just don't fit the bill, do they? People sing when there is some, something to sing about, when something amazing has happened to them. And so we've got to ask the question, on the day when there is clearly nothing to be singing about in their situation, how can Isaiah say that they can sing and that they will sing? But well, let's look at it together. The first thing they sing about, we've okay, got the next slide, is they sing about God, their Saviour. We see that in verses 1 to 2. Uh, you will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you are angry with me, your anger turned away, and you might comfort me. Behold, God is my salvation; I will trust and will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and He has become my salvation. We've already been told uh, in the previous chapter, in chapter eleven, um, that one day God will gather His people. Even though His judgment will come for a time, He is then going to be gracious to them. He would remove His anger from them. And reverse their situation. You bring them back. And that day that is being referred to here. um, If you look down it says. um, You will say in that day. That's the immediate day that Isaiah is talking about. When God will do that for them. But it is also pointing to another day that came later on. The day when Jesus Christ entered the world. And we're going to be looking at that as well. And that has direct Application It's relevant to each and every one of the people sitting here. Each and every one of you. Because if God is graciously doing that for the people then, and doing that through Jesus for all people, then that means he is doing it for us too. And But saving. They sing about God their saviour. That he has become my salvation. The question is, what do they need saving from? He's going to save them, but from what? If we can have the next slide. And in verse 1 it says, Though you are angry with me, your anger turned away. And this is the big surprise of the Bible. We need saving. Not from the bad things that are just happening to us in life, but we need saving from God himself. Because of our sin. Because we have gone away from God, we've done injustice, and He's a God of justice. He is pure. He is holy. For us to be with Him would be a very dangerous thing, unless He saves us, unless He cleans us up and gives us a new life. <laughs> so the saving from what? In the answer is, yeah, God Himself. His holy anger is sin. That's what people needed saving from, and that's why they will say, "For they were angry with me." Your anger turned away, that you might comfort me. The situation they found themselves in, yes, there was this physical threat of the army that was coming at them. But that was all just a sign of God's own judgment that they were under. And so the big thing that they needed to be saved from was God himself. God himself needed to save them from his own anger of their sin. It says um, later on, the great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel, that Jesus was the one who was going to come and be in their midst, that he was going to draw near to them um, so that they might not face God's anger. And I read this uh, book earlier on this week, it said this, because of God's gracious intervention, because he got involved, the sinner's greatest step dread becomes his ultimate joy. And that's what we're going to be looking at. The the one in whom we should have the greatest dread of meeting, God himself, actually becomes our greatest joy. Becomes the one that we are singing about. And so let's look at the next bit. And God is is their source, and if we discover for ourselves, he can be our source of unending joy. And so look with me at verse 3. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation. I mean, the Bible has this picture language all the time, so if you struggle a little bit with the imagery, water drawing wells you know we don't talk like that um, here in Dagenham I don't think we do but it's picture language of you know having a never ending supply of and what's the never ending supply of joy in their salvation with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation so in this God in him being their saviour they have an unending joy I don't know about your joy, uh, mine kind of goes a bit like this. And it's often to do with what is going on and what I'm finding joy in. So if it's my job or my ability or my achievements, it's only going up when my success or my performance goes up. And maybe when it comes crashing down I notice that it's uh, it's when my money runs out and then I realise that my, my joy was in my money. Uh, people aren't very joyful at the moment and that's because of the cost of living crisis isn't it? Um, that's bringing a lot of sorrow to people and without being too dismissive of those problems I'm I'm, I'm not saying that they're not important if our joy is founded in those things then, then we are destined to have a joy that is just up and down that is always in threat it can be taken from us. And we don't have joy, really. We're not the people who are just standing and smiling and having joy in our hearts. We've got, we're have got usually weighed down and with lots of cares and lots of things to grumble about. And yet here, the Bible is teaching us that in God is unending joy. Because he saves. Because he saves from sin. Because... The thing that he should do is punish us. And yet, what he gives us instead is his amazing love. That is a reason to sin. And to keep (coughs) sinning. So I want to put this to you. The Bible presents us with the secret to unending joy. And it's God. You will have unending joy if you live and have God in your life. And if you don't... You look for it elsewhere. It's going to go up now. It is in a person or a physical relationship. It's only when we're with that person that we have that joy. And when that relationship ends, we're, we're nowhere. If it's in an experience or an achievement, when that's finished, the joy quickly goes, isn't it? That's why we need to move on to the next thing, um, <laughs> next exciting experience, or the next um, thing that's going to, you know, be everything to us. But that one will pass, and so will our joy. And here we're being told of a joy that lasts, that we can draw from every single day, like a huge well, and on the days when things are going really, really badly for us, on the days when there is nothing else to sing about, we can sing about God and his salvation, the God who saves me, the God who should be angry with me, and yet the God who gives me uh, his forgiveness. And the, last, the second half of that um, is that this God um, will have endless praise. So part of the reason for the joy of the people that's being described here is because they've always got something to say, something, someone to praise. They've got him to praise. And it talks about God's praises being unending, always on their lips. And it says in verse 4, Give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples, proclaim That his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. I'm old enough to have had a few uh, bits of exciting news in my life. Uh, One of them was um, getting engaged. That was quite a while ago now. Um, And uh, also, when we were expecting a child, when we found out we were going to have a child. So I've got three kids, and I only did that twice. Telling people about it. So you work off that one out. Um, but that kind of news is just so good, isn't it, that it's we can't help but share it. If you'd spent any time with me that week, if I hadn't if it hadn't been the first thing I told you, you would be you'd be sort of like, come here, Rob, why didn't you tell me that you were you were expecting a baby or you were engaged? It was it's good news. So so here it's being described as something where the praise of God's people is not just For them and to say, oh, how wonderful God is, they will say that, but they'll say that in full view of other people, in full view of their friends, their family, they'll say, God has been good to me, he has saved me, and it will be a declaration to them, a proclamation to them, something that they get to hear as well. It's to be made known in all the earth that God is the God who saves, in him is salvation. Um, at the news of Jesus' birth, we've been hearing some of those examples, but people sang. They sang about God's salvation. Uh, the whole host of angels on the hillside um, lit up the skies with their songs about God's salvation uh, to some scruffy shepherds. So the soundtrack of heaven is that God saves, and that God saves in Jesus. And it was about God's salvation, that, that song, that soundtrack was coming to earth. People on earth were singing about it. Um, we had Zechariah, uh, sorry, Simeon, in the reading we just had, and he was singing about it. He, was saying, he said, uh, my eyes have seen your salvation. <coughs> Mary, uh, when she found out she was having um, uh, this, this special baby, and she says in Luke chapter 1, if you just turn back to that, uh, verse 46... And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And what struck me about each of these people that you come across in the. Uh, in the early account of Jesus' birth, is that they're people, they're normal people. Mary was, you know, a young girl. Joseph was a guy who was only just figuring out how he felt about Mary and what they were going to do, making some plans, and then everything got changed. Didn't go according to his plan. But in each of these people, something, some general truth about God actually became personal. The difference between what they were saying before the angels kind of appeared to them is that they would have said general things about God. They would have said, yeah, God is, God is loving, God is good, and God is true maybe. But it, but it would never have been, God is my saviour. It would never have been, God is my God. It would have always been say that a general thing. And, and it's wonderful, isn't it? But you see, in the Bible, um, people who first heard this, that the truth lands in their experience. It lands in their life. So it's not no longer just God is a saviour, or God, um, your anger was turned away. But God is my salvation, and your anger towards me has turned away from me. I remember the day that someone first helped me to see what Jesus had done for me and they encouraged me to respond. The thing is, if Jesus has taken God's anger, turned it away from you and taken it on himself, we can't remain indifferent to that. We either walk away and say, oh, that's, it's it's, it's okay and it's for other people, they need to hear it. Or it's everything. And the people in the Bible are saying, it's everything. They're saying, my soul rejoices, my spirit rejoices in God, my Saviour. That's what they've come to see at Christmas. Uh, So you might be someone who's come here tonight, you've picked up our Christmas card, um, which lots of the church family were were happily delivering through doors, up until the point it got icy and snowy. And I think the... uh, Enthusiasm subsided just a bit, but we've got a lot of cards out on the estate. And you might be someone who's heard the Bible before, and, and <coughs> it's always kind of stayed as a general thing: God is good, He's there, He exists. I, I'm not going to argue with any of those things. But for you, it's never been God is my salvation. For you, it's never been God has turned His anger towards me, away from me, and so He is my salvation. And um you've got to ask the question, what will keep you singing this Christmas? It's not gonna be that someone, that sweetheart, of it's not gonna be sausage rolls. It's gonna be a saviour, God who saves. He will keep you singing on the worst of days. You always have something to sing. into eternity, and that can be the song of your life. And let's pray. Father God, you are great, you're powerful, you're a creator, and yet you're also our saviour. You have revealed yourself to be our salvation. Jesus has come, the king that you promised, the one who would save people from sins. Thank you so much for him. Thank you that we can have the joy of salvation in him knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that your anger has been turned away from us. Just pray that you would help us in our own hearts, personally, privately, uh, to know how to respond to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.